This is Chad Brashears, and you're listening to Never In My Wildest Dream podcast. This podcast is about creating a behind-the-scenes look with coaches, fans, and reporters from our point of view, sharing cool stories as only we've lived them. The goal is for you to learn something new to help your life and allow yourself to take a break from everyday chaos and let us give you a behind-the-scenes look into our world. Never In My Wildest Dreams podcast begins in... Good morning and welcome to Never In My Wildest Dreams podcast. Today is Thursday, January the 14th, 2021. 14 days out of 365. It is almost the weekend. Gonna follow up on some news that happened yesterday in sports as well as get ready for our show today. Looking forward to it. Got a couple guys coming on to chit chat with us. Talk a little bit of everything from local sports as well as the NFL playoffs. Going back on yesterday's news. Mickey Mantle shatters a record for baseball cards sold. This past August, Mike Trout had a rookie card that sold for $3.9 million. Yesterday, the 1952 Topps Mantle is considered the holy grail of sports cards, was sold for $5.2 million. Please do not tell me that people are struggling financially when you're dropping $5 million on a, a baseball card. Looks like Nick Saban isn't wasting any time down in Tuscaloosa. They're finalizing the deal to make Bill O'Brien the new offensive coordinator. He's coming to them from the Texans where he was released from his duties earlier this year. He is now back in the college ranks. In NCAA basketball yesterday, Texas Tech. Chris Beard goes into Texas and they win 79 to 77. Nice upset there. Louisville continues to stay strong as a, with a 9-1 start, beating Wake Forest 77-65. Virginia tops Notre Dame 80-68. Notre Dame is now 3-8 on the year. Not many games today as I look at the schedule. Gonzaga hosts Pepperdine. The line in Vegas, Gonzaga's given up 25-and-a-half. Michigan State was going to go to Iowa today. That game is now postponed due to the coronavirus. Two players on Michigan have that. Number 11, Houston is traveling to South Florida. And Arizona State is traveling to Oregon today. I'm going to go out on a whim and say, I think Arizona State is going to beat Oregon. And the biggest news yesterday in the wide world of sports, James Harden goes to the Brooklyn Nets in a 14 mega trade. I'm going to speak to this a little bit from the point of view of a high school basketball coach. James Harden pretty much checked out in Houston, complained about everything he wanted the last couple years, and Houston bent over backwards and gave it to him. I'm not talking just salary. I'm talking a little bit of everything. And by doing that, in return, what does he do? He goes on social media. He goes on interviews and complains about it's not going to work. So what he does is he plays his hand and he gets what he wants out of Houston. Four-team trade. He's now going up to Brooklyn. And honestly, I do not know how well that's going to go. You get one basketball, and I'm not quite sure that that one basketball is going to be enough. I mean, if you look at it, you're going to have KD, James Harden, and Kyrie if he ever reappears. That's just my two cents worth on that situation. Looking forward to today's show. Like I said yesterday, I'm going to have my brother. I'm going to talk a little bit about the NFL and the Green Bay Packers. And I also might have one other guest who is a local news reporter. We're kind of going back and forth and seeing if we're going to have time to do that today as well. We will talk 
to you soon. Never in my wildest dreams podcast begins in three, two, one. Welcome back to Never in My Wildest Dream podcast. Looking forward to my next guest. Uh, he's become a really good friend of mine. He he does a great job covering games here in Washington County. Uh, we've had the opportunity to talk both professionally and personally, and, and I look forward to this conversation a lot. Alif Kareem is with me today. He uh, started working in WDVM in July of 2018. This is his first job in the business. He graduated from SUNY Oswego where he majored in communications and broadcasting with a minor in coaching. That's We're, we're going to touch on that today a little bit. Um, Alif, I'm glad you're on the show, man. Coach Chad, appreciate you, man. Appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem at all. I'm looking forward to this. So, you know, it's your first job in the business. How did you get into broadcasting and communication? What, as a, as a child, made said, like, man, I really want to be like that guy on TV and do the broadcasting thing? Oh man, truth be told, I uh, I never really thought of myself as, as being a broadcaster because um, I remember even way back all the way to the seventh grade, I would tell my mom and my and my dad and you know my family as a whole just you know what I'm gonna be an engineer I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go chase the bag and I'm gonna go through a lot of incredibly difficult coursework to chase the bag and um, that clearly did not work out how I how I had said. Um, but yeah, so I think the flip happened when I was in not even my freshman year of college, but right before it for orientation. I met some people that were into uh, or were going into the broadcasting like line, and I sort of just followed them to one of their open houses. I heard the professor, who's sort of the main guy for the broadcasting school, talk. You know, I sort of heard his his sales pitch on broadcasting, here's what that entails. And I was, I was enthralled from, from that moment. And, uh, you know, fast forward through college, I had to, uh, you know, change my major. That was a difficult conversation with family, but once they understood what I'm trying to do, they, they can then see, okay, like here's, here are the career paths that, you know, like here is how he's going to make money. Cause that was the original fear. Right. And, um, yeah, then, you know, once I got them on board, along with that time, it was also me figuring out what I wanted to do. So I wouldn't even say I knew I wanted to be in sports broadcasting until I would say like halfway to my junior year, because that's when I really figured out, OK, I enjoy sports. I enjoy storytelling. And here's me confirming those two things through college. And mm-hmm. now we're just going to full send on being a sports broadcaster. Now, you and I, you know, obviously talked before we got on air. Which sports did you have to kind of learn the most about in order so you, to feel most successful in broadcasting and telling this story, as you put it? I mean, are there any sports that stand out? You're like, man, I really got to learn a lot more about that so I can be good at it. Oh, <laughs> so so even before, um, even before finishing off high school, I had spent uh, ten years of my life in a, in, a, in another country. I was my family's from Bangladesh, so that's where I lived from from two thousand three to twenty thirteen. And I was born in Queens, so before we moved to Bangladesh or moved back there, I was familiar with basketball. I knew of basketball, and I obviously knew of soccer or football, as my family called it, because um, that was just the dominant sport in the world. And it, I mean, it still is. But um, yeah, when I moved back to the States, I was in 
uh, I was in a town called Jackson. It's in New Jersey. And, man, I really had to learn everything. Like, you can ask any of my friends in college. There would be nights where, you know, after after production, because uh, we would have, like, productions five days a week, and there was a sports segment, and I was never involved because I just wasn't good enough. So after each night of production, you know, I was done with my homework for the day. I was done with my classwork. And I would just stay in the, uh, in the sports office and, you know, just – Go on the Wikipedia rabbit hole. Learn as much as I could about said player, said team. I really had to. I really struggled with hockey for the longest time. Like I just could not wrap my head around the concept of the blue line. Right. And <laughs> with football too, you know, when you talk about the different sorts of offenses and defenses and schemes, that was really, really hard for me to grasp. And and sometimes it still is, but. You know, eventually I learned it boils down to a few simple things and positioning. Uh, but yeah, I would say hockey and football were really the two uh, the two big ones. Uh, baseball was sort of easy to get into because I played cricket, and and those were two somewhat similar sports. Uh, lacrosse was foreign, but that wasn't really hard, and it was pretty easy to get into. Um, but yeah, I would say hockey and football just from a scheme standpoint. It's funny you just say cricket. I uh, When I was fortunate enough to play basketball over in Barbados, cricket was their huge sport over there. So the arena that we played in was right beside their cricket field. And that's an interesting game to watch. But, I mean, it does have some correlations to baseball and tight end. I mean, I just can't imagine hitting that little, like, flat stick, hitting the ball and pitching that way. But it was fun to watch those guys play. That was a big, big event down there. A lot of people came out to the cricket games. Not as many came out to the basketball games, I can promise you that. <laughs> well, I'm sure they missed out on a ton of your plays um, if, if they didn't show up. Man, that was a, that was a whole lifetime ago. But, uh, you know, it's funny you, you, you mentioned hockey, too. And uh, hockey's one of those sports, I, I don't watch a ton of hockey. Um, playoff hockey's better for me. I think there's like more, you know, more at stake and the environment's a little bit fiery. Um, but when I sit back as a coach and as a, a fan of athletics, to me, hockey is amazing. And here's why. You have a guy that you're basically saying needs to hit like a football player, needs to have a hand-eye coordination of a baseball player, the stamina of a soccer player, all while doing it on a razor blade you could shave your face with. Yeah, it's a it's a different kind of crazy with hockey players. I've uh, I was blessed enough to go to a college that had a very good D three hockey team. Okay. Um, so Oswego, you know, we're in the Sunia Conference and we're Division three, but but in hockey, above really any sport I know of, the discrepancy between Division three and Division one is is barely noticeable like a a really average or you know anyone that's basically not nhl level can play in a d3 hockey school and still be extremely successful or even still struggle because the competitions um the competition is high uh we can we can go into how you know college sports the divisions differentiate um because i have some thoughts on that but uh yeah, with hockey specifically, man, you know, I was lucky enough to watch some really good hockey teams, really good hockey games, and uh, speak with some of their coaches. And, you know, the head coach there, Coach Ed Gosek, he's coached there for going on almost 20 years now. And, he, you know, he the candid conversation I had with him still sticks with me because it's it's such a wildly – well, it is a, it's a wild sport, flat out. It's just a wild sport, like you said, from an athletics perspective. And 
I like again when I was relearning that sport, it it just didn't make sense to me that oh my god, these guys are on two millimeter thick blades flying on the ice and and they're hitting and they're slamming and you know there's there's hand-eye coordination like you said involved to the to the point to the t and it's wild man it's wild to watch it's wild to be around an environment like that and and from a toughness perspective i mean those hockey games are physical i mean it's like a football game three days a week i mean they're hitting each other pretty good yeah and the the padding's you know pretty similar to what you would have in a football game so I can't imagine what what their bodies are going through consistently. No, absolutely. Um, You know, COVID's affected all of us. And obviously, you know, at the end of basketball season last year, March 13th, we got the call that Washington County Public Schools was going to be starting distance learning. And other than a few little breaks here and there, we've consistently stayed on distance learning going into now, you know, as January 14th, we're basically two months to the day almost away from being a full year out of school. How has it affected the industry for you? Like, how has it changed your days? And, you know, what have you learned about yourself at this point that is going to make you a lot better moving forward in the business? Yeah, so, oh man, the, uh, I just remember when, when everything first happened, right? Like, when that March 12th day hit and, and everything, like, the, the, stream of, uh, the stream of announcements were coming out from the NCAA, from the pro leagues, you know, it started with the NBA and then, dipped into all major league sports um i remember the next day going to my boss and my and my manager at the time and they basically said all right well it's time for you to do the news and uh that was intimidating because it wasn't just me it was a lot of people that cover sports at the local news level across the across the nation and you know sports uh, is sports is an escape sports is uh, you know it's something that we all need whether we want to admit to it or not um, and to not have it was was extremely stark, you know. It, it, it was it was weird. Um, but being on the news side of things, you know, being able to anchor the news for about three months or so before you know sports started steadily coming back to to a minimal level. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was fun. I will say it was actually fun because I got to, like you said, learn more about myself. Um, I think the best thing this pandemic, even to this day, that's taught me is. Uh, being more uh, self-aware and um, being more attentive to small details. And I'm sure you, you know this very well, you know, from your playing days, from your coaching days. At a certain point, you get to the level where you've already covered the basics. Like, you know all the basics, and now you're even, But when you go back to the basics, it's really a point of fine-tuning and, and detailing. And mm-hmm. that I feel like that's where I am right now in terms of, what I need to do because I'm still not perfect, but if I can perfect the basics or get as close to it as possible, I feel like that's where I am in broadcasting. It's funny you say that because to, I do think that way about myself too with coaching and, and you know, the, the fundamentals, just in basketball fundamentals too. I mean, we get caught up as coaches so much in the extra stuff. And, and what I mean by extra stuff isn't always off the court stuff. I mean, it's coming out of timeouts with a certain play or when we're going to take a timeout. We get caught up in rotations. We we forget the fundamentals sometimes. And it's nice, as you said, go back to the basics in your phrase, but to go back to the fundamentals and remind ourselves why we do what we do. And, and when you're able to take that step back and look, you do realize 
all the little things are so important and it does, it's, it's nice. I mean, you know, this whole COVID break for me has been really weird. I mean, I'm 38 years old. I started playing basketball in an organized state at, when I was five. So this was my first Thanksgiving, no basketball. First Christmas break, no basketball. So, you know, 33 years of knowing that and, and, you know, and that's, we're talking YMCA junior basketball leagues, but we get into high school the whole way through college, the whole way through playing overseas, the whole way through coaching, we're talking like 20, 25 years of just solid, what am I doing now? Like, I don't have ball. And you're right. Sports to me are important. I mean, it's it's our world because we love sports, right? But it also is a release and it's it takes you mentally away from the chaos that's occurring on a daily basis in the world. And, and I'm not going to get into the political stuff. And, and I know you've probably listened to that on the podcast. So I'm not going to get into that on here. But my goal here is to take people away from that for a little bit and just tell stories and make people think about different things that could improve their lives. And the toughest part for me with you when I think about you going to be a news anchor from a sports anchor was you're not always telling the good stories anymore. Because in sports, you're always telling the positive stories, the ones that people can hold on to and the comebacks and the, you know, coming back from an injury or, you know, becoming the rookie of the year and all that type stuff like Juan Soto when you cover those guys. Now you're having to tell the crap story. How did you handle both? Because not telling always the positive story, having to tell the story that it's tough to broadcast. How was that? Yeah, man. So like you said, with, with sports, it's, it's so many positive things happening, and, and even in a loss, there's always a positive outlook, right? Yep. From from the coaches you speak with, from the players, from the communities. You know, I, I've I've spoken with many a parent and players that even in a loss, they can always find the positive, whether it's the experience that they've had, whether it's the people that they were around, and and with news, like you said, it's it's a very stark difference because I'm going from talking to athletes who may or may not have the best time of their lives to you know, now I'm talking about a murder, a, a, a homicide, or you know, something that's just not positive in any way, and it's it's a very shocking difference. Um, but to me, you know, I, I had the pleasure of having conversations with people that were also in my similar uh, situation. They were they were in the same boat. We all agreed that. And the keyword, like you already said, and, and I'm going to say it right now, the keyword was story because we got into broadcasting not because of a specific aspect, right? Like, yes, at a certain point, we realized that's the path we want to choose. Mm-hmm. But in general, broadcasters, especially at the local news level, to me, at least they should be storytellers at the end of the day. No matter what they do, they're storytellers and they tell the stories of the community and, you know, using those stories, they can make you laugh, they can make you cry, they can hold people in power accountable, but they're all stories at the end of the day. And that's what I told myself as well, is that, you know, I'm in news right now, this is my job for the foreseeable future, and I didn't know I was going to be out of it three and a half months later, but, you know, I was I was hunkered down to go as, as long as I needed to, so... I just told myself, you know, if this is my job right now, two things. One, I'm going to do it as well as I can, um, you know, buying into your role, as, as coaches I've heard say. And then the second thing is, I'm still a broadcaster, I'm still a storyteller, so let me tell stories. And how your stories make you feel, that's for you to determine, but I have to still tell the stories, and, and I'm going to do that to the best of my ability. 
Yeah, and you do. You you do tell stories very well. I always enjoy you know when I have a chance to talk to you or my players have a chance to talk to you. And, you know, when I go back and watch it later in the day or the next day when it posts, I'm able to pull it up and it's, it's very, uh, it's very well done. And I enjoy seeing what you do. You may, you mentioned one word while you were just talking there and I kind of jotted that down fraternity as a, as a coach, we're a fraternity and it's even at the college level, the high school level, the pro level. I have friends that are at every level, um, the whole way up to an assistant coach at the Washington Wizards, Division One assistants and head guys, Division Two assistants and head, and, and same thing at D3, as well as JUCO into high school and that type of thing. I see us as a fraternity. We kind of leaned on each other a little bit during this. We've bounced ideas and feelings and disappointment and struggle. Do you have the same thing in broadcasting or is it more like cutthroat world where you don't really want to be too close to the people that you're trying to compete against to get the next job man you know it, it's tough because i think i think there are elements of both you've you i've been around people that are extremely intense about the competition and um you know it, it's that's fair you know you want to get to a certain point in your life and by all means i'm not telling you to stop doing that and i'm not i'm not even going to tell you to do it in a different way do what you feel like is best for you but it, it's it's definitely both, you know. The cutthroat net is there. I mean, everyone wants to be on the at a network level. Everyone wants to be at the top of their game or of their industry or of their specific line of broadcasting. And sometimes, because they want to do that, they're going to step on people's shoes. They're going to make some people unhappy, some people uncomfortable, and that's just the game. And you know, on the other side, because it's such a small industry. We all know each other. And because we're all aware of each other, you know, sometimes certain opportunities may not even be open just based on the people you've interacted with and whether or not they like you. So it really is, I mean, really with any industry, it's, it's small, it's who, you know, and with broadcasting, it's definitely who, you know, um, am I upset about that? Not really. I mean, that's everywhere, but Am I doing anything to change that? I mean, really, the best thing you can do is just be yourself, and that's what I've tried to do. Well, and it's funny you say that because, you know, it's the same way for me. Like, And I've had a couple, well, a lot of them are assistant coaches. I've worked with a couple of them, but, you know, we text all the time, you know, even when we're in season and then the ODAC, let's go back to my college days at Shenandoah, when we were in the ODAC, like, trying to find, hey, what did you do here? Hey, how did you guard this ball screen? What, do you, what, did, what did you see on film? Here's what I see on film. But what did you see from the bench? Like that type stuff. But the week we play then, there's no texting and there's, there's no calling. It's kind of like one of those, like, I'll see you on the other side type situations. And, you know, I enjoy that, though, because it kind of keeps me in, in line for what I had to do with the job at hand. But then on the backside, I know that I have guys that I can count on forever with a lot of other things. So... Um, while, while we're in that area, let's segue into, you said college sports, you have some thoughts on it. What are your thoughts on college sports? So specifically, you know, this is a thought that I had kind of going back to the pandemic because, you know, at that point, candidly speaking, I was, I think July, 2020 is when I was edging up on, you know, my, my two year mark with my first contract. I'm on a new contract now as a sports director. Um, but Back then, you know, I was edging up on my uh, on the end of my first contract, and you know, I was 
I was just like any young guy. I wanted to change the scenery. I wanted to, to see other places, be in a different market. And, um, you know, I just eventually realized that, uh, you know, 10 toes, like you basically have to be grounded where you are. Um, 10 toes to the ground is what one of my mentors told me. And mm-hmm. uh, I've been trying to adopt that every day, remind myself that of every day. And I think going back to college sports, to me, the thought that I wanted to share was, especially yesterday after speaking with uh, Coach Andrew Stefanelli, um, the head football coach at Good Counsel, Mm -hmm. you know, he was sharing with me conversations he's had to have with kids that, you know, maybe want to get to a certain level of college play, but can't because either the school doesn't want them or it's just not a right fit for them. And I think you and I can both agree, especially in this age with, with social media, and especially because of how important social media is for both of our jobs and what we do. Sometimes it's easy for, for athletes and people like myself to get sucked into the, the comparison game and, and you know want to be at a certain level because a certain person is. Um, you know, Going back to college, I mean, specifically with you in basketball, you would know this way better than I do. It doesn't really matter what what division you hoop at if you can hoop in college you can hoop flat out like there's no question that you can hoop yeah and uh, i feel like some kids especially nowadays it's, it's tough to remind yourself like hey like even with the pandemic and how it's hurted recruiting cycles if you're an athlete if you play your sport well you'll be found yeah you, that's a very factual statement i mean my buddies at the college level still call me all the time about my players my former players uh, guys that I'm going to compete against either this coming year or compete against last year. But, you know, it's the questions are more about, um, just to make sure I get this out right, they're more about character. They're more about what were they like playing against them? How did they, they react when a ref makes a call? Like, it was those types because they already know they can play. And they're the conversations that I've had a lot in this off season, I guess, if that's what you want to call it because of COVID. Um you know, social media is something that I have chosen to get off of. I no longer am on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, and any of that stuff. I'm off of all of it. Um, Coach Hoffman runs the team Snapchat, or sorry, the team uh, Twitter and the team Instagram page. Um, so Coach runs all my social media now, which has been really good for me. Um, social media was not something that my mind in social media became an addiction and it's not something that was healthy and I decided to become healthier and step away from it. But where I'm going with that is self-promotion on social media has warped these younger kids' minds into how good they truly are. And and I think that's the tough one of the toughest battles that we have in comparison, you know, and I'll use a young man last year that played that was the best player in Washington County. I mean he was and he's playing Division One basketball right now. Everybody compared themselves to Lincoln, and at the end of the day, they weren't a six foot five guard who was going to go play at GW. Lincoln had maybe let's just say Lincoln had an off day, not a bad night. He had a little bit of an off day. Oh man, I'm better than Lincoln. Nah, he's consistently better than you. And but you know the guy on social media is giving you the likes and the comments when you're picture and man, you're balling out and you're this and that. When at the end of the day, that's only inflation because of social media. When the reality is when you're a college coach and you're recruiting somebody, I could give two shits what the guy in the third row of the bleachers thinks that commented on your Instagram page. I'm gonna, I am gonna, want to know what happens inside those lines, inside that locker room, inside that classroom. And that's how I recruited. So, 
Oh, you know, it's funny you mentioned uh, Lincoln because I was just thinking of uh, a player. Oh, I forget his name, but he is currently hoping. Like he is, he is doing really well uh, at the Division One level. Um, he's a he's a guard. I think six six something. He went. I think it's Ohio University. If you know what I'm talking about. Okay. Is he Man, from? Just, is he from around here? No, no, he's not from around here. Okay. Um, but uh, he is, man, he is playing really well. And I just remember listening to his story and, like, his, his like, so many other, you know, he's one of those kids that basically um, had no offers or or struggled to get to that name or struggled to play at the level that maybe a Lincoln Ball is or or, or anyone that you can remember from the area that, that's playing at a really high level right now. But you're right. I do agree with you. It's the inflation hurts a lot uh mentally emotionally even i mean you know to to speak from a broadcasting perspective i'll be the first to admit there there's times where i've been down a youtube rabbit hole of watching other people's reel and uh for people that don't know when you have a broadcast reel or a reporter reel that's sort of your gateway into the job hiring process it's not really so much about your resume does it look good to have many years and many accomplishments on it sure but they also want to see what work you've done and your best work put together so when i look back at other people's reels it's very easy to compare myself to them and like oh well they did this thing maybe if i try that that'll help me maybe get closer to a market that i want to be at but i mean the reality is sometimes certain paths aren't for you and and i think a lot of people avoid buying into that because it's almost like buying into an idea of failure but it's really not failure it's just your path doesn't involve this you have to adjust your life now uh, well yeah absolutely and while you were talking here i pulled up jason preston went from high That's school bench warmer to the nba draft boards in three short years at ohio that's the guy i was thinking of jason preston yep it's funny, Jeff Bowles is the head coach at Ohio State. Jeff does an unbelievable job. I've been fortunate enough to beat with Jeff a couple different times. He was the big-time assistant coach at Ohio State under Thad Mata. He uh, went to Stony Brook for his first head coaching job and then went back to Ohio where he played. And, uh, you know, he's going to get good dudes to come in there and play and be competitive really quickly for him. You mentioned, uh, you know, goals what are your goals where do you want to see yourself in the broadcasting business what what is the the goal for a leaf oh man well the goal for a leaf has has to have been um being around basketball in any capacity right um i growing up like i had mentioned the certain sports were hard to learn and hard to understand basketball for me was really not um i had played basketball at a competitive level I would say up till the 10th grade in Bangladesh. And then mm-hmm. when I moved back here, here when I moved back, it was more of a, of a case of, all right, well, now it's time to get my life together so I can start chasing the bag. And I sort of not fell out of touch with playing basketball because I still played recreationally, but more just not as devoted. But basketball for me was always a sport that was easiest to get into. Um, it, it embodied... The culture of basketball embodied the parts of me that that clicked the most. Where it's you know uh, a son of an immigrant who has no idea about the American landscape, and basketball sort of the entry into 
into American culture and, you know, you prove yourself on the court, you prove yourself to people around you. Um, and, and that goes either for, you know, the culture side of things that you see through the NBA or even just by being around high school coaches and, and that sort of culture and, and understanding the, the philosophies and team culture and, and, and just, you know, everything about basketball to me intrigued me more than any other sport did because of how, how much under a telescope you are in a basketball court, being a person, an athlete, whatever. Right. Um, and for me, I just want to be a part of that industry and being able to tell great, great stories. I mean, before his unfortunate passing um, with Kobe Bryant, my dream, one of my dreams was to was to speak with that man and being able to, you know, dissect his brain a little bit and just figuring out what made what made him tick. But then also realizing, hey, like there are people as interesting mm-hmm. as Kobe was um, everywhere in basketball. And it's just a matter of conversations. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're right on about all that. I mean, that's something that there's a lot of great guys out there, not just in basketball and everything, but I'm obviously more into the basketball sense too. And there's some guys that I think you'd thoroughly enjoy picking their brain and asking them a ton of questions. Um, the Eagles, you're an Eagle fan, right? Uh, fortunately. <laughs> What's your take on the Doug Peterson situation? And what do you feel as though could be the next step for them there in uh, Philadelphia? Yeah, so I just want to clarify first, um, after I finished up high school in Jackson, New Jersey, my family, not even joking, two days after the high school graduation ceremony, two days, we moved to Philly. It was me, my mom, and my brother. We're there in Philly, and I have a whole summer to kill before I start college. And, you know, that's sort of really where the Philadelphia sports fandom started. So the Eagles, man, (laughs) uh, there's a part of me that's still yearns for a 2017 Carson Wentz, but I don't think I don't think we'll ever we're ever going to get there. Not unless he has uh, better protection and a better wide receiver group. Really, I mean, if I'm the Eagles and if I just lost a, a Super Bowl winning coach in Doug Peterson, I I'm inclined to say blow it up. But I don't know if blowing it up is going to be the right thing either because the ownership with with Lurie and and Howie. Um, it's just not good, man. Like, there's no concrete, single-minded plan or, or you know, single-minded goal. I feel like with all of the big talking heads, it's it's a, an amalgamation of, of different opinions and certain people's opinions way heavier because of the power they hold, and that's cost the Eagles deeply. That's that's hurt them a lot, and I don't really know. You know, no matter what your draft position is or whatever, or whatever players you get, I don't know if it's going to help. Uh, I'm inclined to say blow it up, but truly, I I'm bracing for I'm bracing for another five, ten years of of Eagles fans' misery, and I'm I'm right there. I'm I'm ready to absolutely be miserable for the next five, <laughs> ten years of football. Okay, so this is kind of breaking news just in. I don't know if you saw this or not, but the uh, Eagles are bringing Kellen Moore in for a big-time meeting to possibly the next head coach from the Cowboys. Oh, okay. Former quarterback? Former quarterback for Boise State. You know, one of those one of those guys that wasn't at the highest level, that knows the grind and understands the underdog kind of story, which, you know, that, that helps you guys. Anybody. I mean, 
But I'm going to say this. John Calipari has said it a million times, and I've been fortunate enough to, to hear it from his mouth live sitting sitting in Virginia at a bar one night. We were sitting there kind of just talking, and he goes, Son, it doesn't matter how good of a coach you are. If you don't have Jimmys and Joes, you're going to lose. And I firmly believe that the reason Matt LaFleur, and obviously I'm a Packers fan, and you know that, that right. Matt LaFleur is going to continue to have a job in the NFL is because Aaron Rodgers is his quarterback. And the reason that Adam Gacy is no longer in the NFL as a head coach is because Sam Darnold is his quarterback. I'm not busting on Sam Darnold, but he's not the same level. So it is about the dudes that are throwing the passes, catching the ball, running through the line, and blocking that make you a good coach. It, you know what? It is. I wholeheartedly agree with that. It really does come down to the players you have. But you know, going back to coaches, I get a, it. Also depends on the players you get, or how you can get them to, to sort of buy into you and buy into the system. Absolutely. Um, Kellen Moore, man. Uh, I all I knew is is that when when the Eagles played Dallas this past, uh, I think it was week sixteen in the season, mm-hmm. uh, the Cowboys had like. 500 plus yards and 37 points on our heads. So yeah, I'm pulling. I'm pulling that one up right now. Andy Dalton had a pretty good day that day. Threw for uh, 377. They rushed for 151. That's a pretty good day. Yeah, if uh, if you can make Andy Dalton not you know not saying Andy Dalton's a bad quarterback, (laughs) but he's not Andy Dalton who he was at his peak in Cincinnati. Right. Uh, I mean, if this is just a spiteful hire to to rip someone away from the. Cowboys franchise, I'm okay with that. I, I mean, you know me as an Eagles fan. I'm, I'm not a fan of anyone that's a Cowboys fan. Um, Giants fans, I could care less. Spoken about. like a true uh, NF East guy. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's a miserable division, and we might as well, you know, if I'm miserable, you got to be miserable too. Is my opinion. Right. No, <laughs> I completely understand that. Elite, you. <laughs> What uh? What's the rest of your day look like? I know you guys go on air this evening. Do you kind of go in the office and get some information gathered so you can get your stories ready to tell? Is that how you do it? Yeah, so actually in about 10, 15 minutes of this call, um, as we are right now, I'm hopping on a uh, Zoom conference with uh, head coach Mark Turgeon. Okay. Um, and we're talking about Maryland's game tomorrow that they just scheduled against Wingate, Division Two school. Um, they have a really good, I think his name's Cunningham at the end, but he's like their top scorer, 20-point kid. Really good team. Um, so we're talking about that game and how it's, you know, it's not going to affect Maryland's net ratings. But after that conference, uh, going to head into the office, um, sort of get everything together, put it together by three. And uh, I have a story to go to. It's at 4.30 um, at the Frederick Indoor Sports Complex. I'm meeting with um, his name's Shannon Breen. He's a Langenor High School grad who is also a former pro lineman at the CFL level, the XFL for a little bit, the Arena Football League. And, uh, yeah, he's taken it upon himself to train linemen in Frederick County. So talking to him about why he's doing that, sort of what he's gaining from that, some of the other high school coaches in the area too. Uh, so that'll be a story to look forward to this week. Um, and... Yeah, besides that, man, just uh, just sort of going through my day, getting the 6 and 10 ready, but also trying to uh, see what the next week looks like as nice. well. It's nice. Well, you know, you're a busy guy, and I appreciate your time. I, I love having you on the show. I'd love to have you back on the show. Um, 
you, you and I have been able to have a lot of conversations, which I thoroughly enjoy, and I'd love to do this again. Josh, I appreciate you. Appreciate your time. Hey, we gotta we gotta sit down and watch some film together. I'd love to see how you break down film and, and sort of what are things you're looking for as you're breaking film down. Yeah, I would love to do that. Let's set that up. All right, sounds good. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. All right, sounds good. Now, mm-hmm. take see care. ya. Love having a leaf on the show. Uh, he's got a lot of stories. You know, we're gonna be able to get in touch with a lot of those stories as well when he is back on the show and he uh he just texted me and said that it was an absolute blast looks forward to being back on and and I'm, I'm looking forward to having him back on as well looking forward to talking to you soon never in my wildest dreams podcast begins in three two one welcome back to never in my wildest dream podcast was looking forward to having my next guest on we're probably going to have him on tomorrow he, uh, he has been called to do some detective work today. I'm not going to get into exactly what he's doing, but I do know that he's having uh, a busy afternoon. And I had like a fun segue to go into that, but I'll just put it out there. I'll have it play in the background as we go here, have a little bit of fun with him. Um, he turns 33 tomorrow, so I get to, uh, maybe that's why everything's happening the way it is. I get to bust on him tomorrow as he gets into his Larry Bird year, which I'm uh, looking forward to for him. And obviously this weekend's the Packers game, so I get to spend uh, his birthday weekend watching the Packers game with him, which I'm excited about. Looking forward to tomorrow's show. Uh, Should be a good one, especially it being a Friday, kicking into the weekend. Um, As I said, I think Kevin's going to be able to be on tomorrow. That'll be his 33rd birthday, so we'll have a little bit of fun with that. Tim Kelby is going to be on to talk about the Browns going to play against the Chiefs. David Snyder is going to be on Saturday morning. Looking forward to talking to him. He's a motivational speaker, but he also uh, has a lot of wealth and knowledge in leadership, being a competitive athlete. Um, he'll be a good one for us. We're looking forward to that as well. Looks like, as I follow up here just at the very end, Walford has been ruled out and golf is to start against the Packers. That's the only news I have that's changed from this morning. Looking forward to uh, talking about that a little bit more tomorrow. Hope you guys have a great Thursday evening and we look forward to talking to you soon.